0: and in every corner of the interwebs thank you for tuning in we hope you're enjoying this beautiful sunday the 11th of march you're listening to the podland trailcasters i am keith Feltner smith and here with me as always the daring the dashing the beautiful and the bold brandon goldner what's up b
1: beginning to feel like a ball god ball god all blazer fans from front to the back not back nod now who thinks the arms are long enough to guard dame they say it looks like a robot both him and CJ and if you think the dame is a basketball robot you should reach out to us at trailcasters on twitter facebook or instagram you can also hook us up trailcasters.com if you want to send an email those work too just trailcasters at gmail.com but the most important thing and i always slow down for this part is we need your five star reviews it doesn't matter if it's on itunes the podcast app stitcher wherever the google play it doesn't matter but what does matter are those five star reviews because it gets our show in front of more listeners and more listeners is more fun keith what is on the docket for today's episode of the trailcasters
0: on today's show, we've got Michael Weisenberg of NBA NBADraft.net coming back with us to discuss the Blazers' winning ways, Dame's hot hand, and much, much more. You just got to listen for the rest of it. We go all around a little more organized than I would say we were last week with Sage, but hey, this is another good <laughs> looping conversation. Check it out. Then on overtime, Brandon and I will be discussing some updates on the Dallas situation as well as mental health in sports. Then, as always, last week's games, next week's games, and your listener questions. Now, let's go back to turn it over to the trailcaster meteorologist, Brandon. How's the weather in downtown P-Town,
1: man? Downtown P-Town is down with the sun, and you know that sun is out, not only because Ooh, yeah. we turned our clocks forward, but because it is beautifully, perfectly sunny. For it being the early part of March, it's really kind of a lot nicer than any of us would expect. I know that you're gonna be taking advantage of that weather in a little bit. Keith, you're telling me you're gonna go play some basketball. Oh, yeah. you ta- are you taking challengers, oh, or yeah. what's the deal with that? We're playing basketball.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm not quite the same as <laughs> you are. <laughs> uh, no, no I'm, I'm probably just getting out there working on my shot mechanics today man getting out for the first time playing outdoors i've gotten back in the gym down at 24 nearby recently it's nice to get out playing some pickup ball there but yeah i'm ready to just enjoy the weather and and sing some threes
1: yeah dude i mean i have to say so a little thing in my personal life i've set a goal for myself i want to set my lifetime record for running a mile which is five minutes 49 seconds Ooh. and so okay i i do a little bit of running at lunch Excuse me, do a little bit of running at lunch. I also eat lunch, apparently, and I'm going to burp it up during the podcast But I just do right there. But I usually run up in the hills and I don't go that fast. And so now I'm doing interval training um, to do like sprints and then walking, sprints and then walking to try to get my speed up. So my baseline... My first timed mile in a very long time was seven minutes seven seconds, which is not okay. terrible considering I haven't done you know mile times in a while, but not great. No, so definitely. I mean, yeah, I might be going out today, maybe to the track near that Under Armour building. Uh, you know that 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 Under Armour building that they renovated, and there's like a track outside of it. It's a little bit nice. north, or rather south of four hundred five. Anyway. Doesn't matter. So if you want to hit me up and beat up on me the on the track, end? yeah, you can totally find me there. Um, or find Keith at Eibach <laughs> Park, I believe, is where you're going to play basketball. Um, That's correct. That's my away All sorts of personal information. I got your social security card and your credit card numbers. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding.
0: Well, one thing that you got to do before you are taking a run or shooting some hoops is warm up properly. We've only got a few warm ups today, but let's look at them. They are entertaining for sure. Did you see the video that CJ put out interviewing himself?
1: No, I You, you got to didn't. see this. Oh, my God. Tell me about I've, what, I've, what what was the deal with that?
0: <laughs> I've got to find this and pull it up, man, and show this to you later. But basically, you have journalist CJ uh, interviewing player CJ. So you have CJ sitting in his jersey, and CJ on the other side sitting in the suit. They do kind of like what Stephen Colbert used to do. Like I think it was like me versus me on his oh, show. Oh, even Stephen. I- Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, basically like journalist CJ asking some questions, player CJ giving some very flat and short answer kind of things and just lots of like glares and icy stares back and forth. Pretty funny <laughs> stuff. They're talking about pizza for the most part. And honestly, they had me fooled. I didn't realize till right at the end that it's a Papa Murphy's commercial, but it's, it's highly uh, entertaining. Uh, I should have known that it was a commercial when the question was asked about thick or thin crust, but uh, I like Papa Murphy's, so I'm not that opposed to this. It's pretty good stuff and I get it a lot of game nights anyway.
1: That's dope. Yeah, it's just (laughs) like that Shabazz commercial of him breaking someone's ankles. I didn't know it was a commercial for coffee. Come on. (laughs) No, just kidding. Uh, It looks like you have another... I, I mean... Now, I know that the Trailcasters have a couple sponsors. It looks like we've gone full commercial here. What's this next item here on your <laughs> list? The Rip City projects on Amazon. What's the deal with this?
0: Yeah, that's right. So if you have the Amazon Echo Dot or any of those home uh, devices, you can go and download a Rip City Fla- Rip City Project flash briefing. Rip wow. City Project has set this up. It's fantastic. I already have it installed in my house. I feel like I want to go over, take the microphone over there if I could reach it there, but I don't think I can. But you can. I can basically ask out, like, Echo, give me a flash briefing, and it tells me the latest highlights of the recent Blazer game. Like, if I hadn't seen the Warriors game Friday, it gives you a score and kind of a quick rundown. And I'm pretty sure if it continues playing, it almost sounded like it just continues to read RCP articles, like maybe like a, a write-up that we did on the game, which was pretty impressive. But, yeah, man, if, if you have any of these devices, you can get it uh, dictating to you. And actually, I think by saying Echo, it's talking to me in the other room. So give me one sec. i got to turn this off. <laughs> oh
1: my God! There goes, Keith. He is off the screen. I just down. have to say... It is super interesting. I've always thought about having articles that are, you have the text, but then you also take the time to read them. So, if people want to digest them in audio form, they can do that. So, it sounds like this is what it's doing, but instead of a human voice, it's a robot voice. Damn it, you mean that? That, that means the robots are coming it's for our extra. jobs, Keith? <laughs> yeah, no, they're coming for our jobs. You know that Trailcaster's gonna be two robots at some point in the future. But let us know what you think, either of CJ interviewing himself or of having a robot read articles to you. I'm a little uncomfortable <laughs> with both those things, but. Our guest, again, Michael Weisenberg, is going to be here in just a second. But first, a word from our sponsor, Envy Adventures.
0: Well, hey, Brandon, let me ask you a question as we get into this. Have you, uh, do you have a pilot's license?
1: I do not, sir.
0: Have you ever been, let's say, hang gliding, parachuting, anything like that, like getting up there? Neither have I. I, I feel like I would really like to be checking this stuff out. I did have a friend in college that had a pilot's license, and it was one of the coolest experiences. Me as a photographer, I kept bugging him. Like, I want to get up there and get some cool shots uh, uh, from a different perspective. He takes me up there. He didn't tell me that he had some uh, some aerial uh, acrobatics maneuvering uh, skills. So oh, he God. gets me up in some zero-g. we floating. My camera, like, floats off my lap. Uh, it was scary as heck, but it was also amazing. The views are fantastic. Flying in a small private jet as opposed to a big commercial airliner is really something and I, I got to highly recommend it for anyone who hasn't done it. If you've only in, flown on commercial airliners, check this out. A great way to do it would be EnvyAdventures.com. Right here in Portland, they have lots of local flights, great views uh, from downtown Portland up to the Gorge, other sites all around Oregon. They and have they will not flip you. you
1: upside down unexpected, I can guarantee you <laughs> They that. will not
0: send you on zero G. I am absolutely sure of it. Or maybe you're getting a free flight out of it and believe me, it's not that bad. It could be worth it. Uh, check it out. EnvyAdventures.com. flights starting at $99 per flight, not per person. It's a real deal.
1: That is ENVIadventures.com. Keith, because you keep forgetting. Thank you. How dare you? (laughs) But yeah, definitely go to ENVIadventures.com. ENVIadventures.com.
0: He is a contributor for NBADraft.net and an expert on everything college ball. After coming on Trailcaster's Way Back on episode 12, he has also taken on the title of Trailcaster's Senior Draft Analyst. Remember that one? He was also kind enough to bring me to the Blazers game Friday night and watch them crush the Warriors. Thank you so much for that, bro. Ladies uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Friend of the show, Michael Weisenberg. How you doing, man?
2: I am doing very well, Keith. It was a pleasure to watch the Blazers crush the Warriors with you. And uh yeah, man. Nine game win streak. Oh, Wait a minute. So, so
1: where were you guys sitting though? That's what I need to know. Cause Keith was oh, talking, yeah. he was bragging about the seats he got. So let me in let, let the plebeians in on where you're sitting.
2: So I got <laughs> a, a four game deal and I got a bunch of um one hundred game uh one hundred level games um Houston, Minnesota, Um, Minnesota, it was the one right after the New Year, and um, then Golden State, and upcoming, I have the Cleveland Cavaliers on Thursday. Nice. Wow, that's
1: dope. All right. We were 118,
2: so, yeah. All right.
1: I'm a little jealous. I need to get that out of the way. Sorry, Keith, go ahead.
0: <laughs> no, it was beautiful, man. Like we were, our eye level was probably what, just below the rim I'd say. And, uh, it's, it's cool, man. It's a crazy different perspective. I'm used to sitting up in the 300 on like the, the sideline of it. Uh, and being down this close to the action, being able to kind of really see them in here, everything that goes on was pretty sweet. Uh, getting back to the nine game win streak, Portland sitting 40 and 26 now on the season nine game win streak after the W over GSW the other night, 25 and 15 versus the West, 15 and 11 versus the East, 22 and 11 at home, 18 and 15 on the road. Those are all positive records, right guys? Feeling pretty good about where the Blazers are sitting right now.
2: Absolutely. And uh, that 15, 11, though, makes you a little worried about that uh, next game coming up. (laughs) So, <laughs> yeah, 15 11
0: versus the east, and now we've got three eastern teams coming in next week. That is a little bit of a trouble, but still, I mean, it's above 500, right?
1: Yeah, and also, I mean, there's some good news. Um, well, good news if you're a Blazers fan because Miami will be without Dwayne Wade and Hassan Whiteside, so that's, I mean, and obviously at this point now, so the Blazers have won nine straight, like they're probably feeling pretty good about themselves. The West is so tight, like, I have no doubt that none of them are taking any of these games for granted. Like, I'm sure, like, especially, like, the Warriors game, like, they didn't have Steph Curry, they didn't have David West, they didn't have Iguodala and someone else, too. Like, I think that it just, I don't know, like, Mike, let's start with you here. Like, you've been mm-hmm. watching basketball for a long time. Obviously, teams can get lulled into, like, a feeling of complacency or, like, we're on this big streak. Now, a, a game coming up where they're, like, shorthanded, like, like, how how hard is it, do you think, for teams to stay focused, especially when they're on a roll like this and they know that the games matter? Like, when you're up against, like, an inferior opponent or an opponent who's injured, like, this Heat team, like, how tough do you think it is for them to stay focused during this time? I, I kind of wonder myself. Um,
2: I do feel that I was a little worried about the Blazers and the Warriors because they had that three-day break. And the Warriors were coming off, like, a, another game before that. But, yeah, um, I... I Feel like long breaks sometimes. That's when like the losing streak or the winning streak kind of ends. And the Blazers being able to handle that certainly look pretty damn good. And a shorthanded Heat team. The Heat have just been playing a lot of teams tough this year. And even you know Whiteside misses a lot of games. Dwayne Wade's relatively new. So yeah, like if they're not a team you can sleep on. But at the same time, you have to feel pretty good about the way the Blazers have been playing, obviously, over the last few weeks.
0: Only a quick question, Brandon. Is it confirmed that Wade and Whiteside are both out, or was it just kind of like, oh, they're questionable or doubtful? Or
1: I thought that it was confirmed. Uh, I thought wow. I saw that on Blazers Twitter a little bit ago, but I could be wrong about that. I mean, well, here's another question, too. Has Have either one of you seen... How the Heat have looked since Wade's gotten back? Because obviously he's like a hometown hero, blah, 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 blah. But like he's a little past his prime. Like, how has he looked in these last couple games, kind of getting back in the swing of things with them?
0: I wanted to touch on this actually. Yeah, he uh, he,
1: good.
0: <laughs> and I mean, I know it's a little outside the basketball realm. I'm not going to dwell on this too long, but he uh, has kind of dedicated the rest of his season, I believe, to one of the victims of the recent shootings uh, in the area down there. And I'm pretty sure after that happened, I saw some of the games he was playing out of his mind, like very much looks like a younger Wade uh, bringing this tie this back into the Blazers, though. There has been a lot of talk as far as, you know, the Warriors game, right, Mike? When we were getting in there the day before, that, when they were playing the Spurs, Curry leaves in the first three minutes of the game after rolling his ankle, I think. And so it's kind of this ankle injury coming up for him. And instantly, Blazers seem to have a better chance for our matchup with them. Now, right ahead of the Heat game, we hear they're going to be missing two of their big players. I'm seeing some stuff on Twitter about... People starting to say, like, oh, yeah, Blazers just getting so lucky with all this. And I just want to kind of shoot that down, right? Like every team, you have to put out the roster that you have healthy. Like health is part of the season. It's what you deal with. Every roster deals with this. Blazers certainly have had their season before where no one's giving us, you know, any sort of discount or any extra credit because we had injuries to deal with. You know, that that's, is what happens in the year, right?
2: I I think it's always funny also how some teams will have like a short memory about when injuries kind of favor them as well. Like I I saw somebody on Twitter was saying something about if Draymond doesn't get suspended and Andrew Bogut doesn't get hurt, then um, the Cavs (laughs) probably would have lost in five to the Warriors in 2016. Well, the very year before Kyrie Irving got hurt in game one and Kevin Love got hurt against the Celtics. So, you know, what would have happened if those two guys would have been healthy the year before? You know, it could be a, a totally uh, different thing. And yeah, maybe you would have like Cleveland win that first one and then losing the next two. Like, who knows? But um, yeah, injuries are absolutely something you have to deal with. And I feel like in a lot of winning streaks, Like I I was mentioning with Keith, like uh, when the Houston Rockets had a really long winning streak, um, when Tracy McGrady and Yao Ming were around. uh, Actually, I think one of them might have even been hurt for most of it. But um, yeah, I just remember it seemed like almost every game that the team they'd be playing would be missing somebody else. But that doesn't necessarily take away from the fact that they won all these games
1: in a row. Like you know, it's just
2: doing your job.
1: Well, the first thing I want to say for people who want to talk about revisionist history and injuries and whatnot, like, can we do a simulation of the Blazers (laughs) with a healthy Brandon Roy and Greg Oden for 15 years? So that's that's number one. And then number two, like at this point in the season, you have this cluster of teams who are tanking on purpose. We know that Adam Silver's come out and has worn the Chicago Bulls. You have, you know, now people are kind of chatting about the Memphis Grizzlies, not that they're resting anyone intentionally, but just how poorly their roster is put together this year. They've lost 7 million games in a row. Like, I would say at this point in the season, and Mike, tell me if you agree, like, the more important thing are teams who have nothing to play for. That can really mess up the playoff standings, because if you have playoff teams who are playing a bunch of really good teams and then other playoff teams who are playing a bunch of tanking teams, that makes it very, very difficult to really get a sense of who's better at the end of the season if you're playing teams who don't even want to win. I mean, isn't that like more important than people being injured at this point? I, I would say so. I, I would say that, yeah,
2: it really, yeah, when you play teams in the season can definitely make an impact. So uh, right. I, I agree there. Um, so it at, at be- the same time, you know, you don't really know which teams have the the strongest schedule or anything like that. Like, I, I would love for there to be more like of an emphasis on like BPI and, and stuff where you, you kind of know, OK, you know, this the, this team's playing this schedule and this other team might have it a little bit tougher. And that's what we're, I guess, trying to look at when we're deciding those last few playoff teams in the West. Right. Well, the, the I, whole.
1: I, 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 I wanted to float something out really quick. Sorry, Keith. I want to float something out really quick. It's something I think I heard on the Dunked On podcast as Nate Duncan, Daniel Rue, who were talking about actually before we aired. They were saying, like, what if you had a system where you scheduled the games where you're not playing a team twice after the All-Star break to kind of prevent? Like, again, if you're tanking and you play that team twice, that's two wins. If they're injured and you play them twice, that's two wins, that kind of thing Like, that would be tough for schedule makers and tough for traveling, but what do you think of that idea Hmm, of maybe making the NBA schedule so that you don't play the same team twice after the All-Star break? I see you shaking your head a little bit, but.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I just, I don't know how that would even be done. So, yeah, exactly. Like, in a perfect world, I think in a perfect world, we would love, like, a balanced NBA schedule. Like, you you would just love to have it where you played the same team, like, the same amount of times, but and and this right is what now, they're working towards. You you would like yeah? Are you would you play like an eighty four game schedule? You know, or, yeah, or okay. eighty seven? I guess or, or fifty eight? Like you know, if this you want what, to shorten like, the season, like yeah, I, I just no, don't okay, know hold, how you make it, it
0: fair. It, Let it, me jump it, on that, that though, because we don't. You, it, you interrupt yeah, our NBA. guests? How dare you? We're
2: all trying to talk. <laughs> no, 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 Go
0: on, go on. We all know the NBA is never going to shorten the season, right? Like they're never going to go. We're never going to convince these guys to go for less. It's a money thing. It's just a simple matter of business. So if. This is already starting to be addressed this year. Adam Silver's brought up ideas of changing the playoff seating. It's just the first step, and it's a long way off what we're talking about. But the one thing you always hear being brought up is the idea of you would have to balance the schedule in some way. Instead of having teams in the West where we play Warriors uh, three or four times and you know Cleveland plays them twice at most, you know that would have to be balanced out. I don't know what exactly the number is, but I mean— what do you think? Let's say if we look 20, 30 years into the future of the NBA, do you see this happening? Do you see something happening to kind of make a more balanced schedule and a more even league across the board, like a one through 16 seeding for the playoffs?
2: You may have to just realign everything. Like, yeah, honestly, but that's not impossible,
0: yeah. right? Like, it's they—they they always talk about the airlines being an issue or the travel that has largely been absolved from what it was even ten or twenty years ago. There's a lot more private jets. The, the uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's going. It's not getting harder. It's getting easier for this to happen. And even if it happens in small steps, I don't know. Like, throw out a number. How many years do you think it takes until we have a completely balanced NBA schedule?
2: Um, I don't know. I again, like. For me right now, I just don't see it happening, but not ever. yeah, I don't know, like, yeah, I, I can't say it won't ever happen, but I, i'm I'm very skeptical of it happening. And uh, I think that would be a huge issue as far as just doing a one through sixteen. Um, but, yeah, if if they can make it happen, then it should happen as immediately as you can, yeah.
1: I mean, I think it's easy, obviously, for us to talk about it and to think of solutions. But the reality is, with 82 games, with 30 teams, with all the travel, with a competitive balance, with the East and West, with the playoff stuff, with the lottery odds, there are so many different variables that, yeah, I'm doing a little dance here as I'm going through that list, but there are so many variables that we can't account for all of them. Because, for example, again, let's just like pretend we're in a perfect world and robots are running everything, because apparently that's my perfect world. I don't know why that is. But you would have a schedule that was scheduled adaptively after each game, That accounted for how good each team is, so that you play a perfectly competitive schedule. And like, again, like obviously I'm being a little silly, but I think the point is, like, for the most part, I think schedule makers do their best. The biggest thing that I see changing is the East and West conferences are going to have to be de-emphasized. Especially imagine, can you imagine how bad this conversation is going to get if LeBron Goes out of the Eastern Conference and goes to the Lakers. I mean, right. this is going to be a big mess because the East is going to have who's going to be the best player in the East at that point? Like Giannis? Like Giannis? I don't know. Absolutely. But yeah. yeah. I just,
2: Giannis is already the best player after LeBron, so yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just tough. And, and just, like I just that, that's a good Giannis and Joel are like getting to that point where they're you know forces to be reckoned with. But yeah, it would definitely it would be huge things moving in the East, and then you 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 would have like a. I don't, know, I don't know how long the Raptors really stay uh, a focal point in the East, but the Celtics certainly look like they're going to be a, a pretty darn good team. And yeah,
1: go well, ahead. I think that's fair. No, I'm just, I let's get this out of the scheduling and back to the Blazers really quick. I want to talk about <laughs> Damian yeah, yeah. Lillard, who, well, obviously we all want to talk about the Blazers. Damian Lillard has been amazing. There's no doubt about it. Don't have the numbers in front of me. Keith can probably back those up. But he has been playing at an MVP level, I would say. So let me ask you this. Like. Taking the season as a whole up until now, so obviously not just looking at his hot streak. But Mike, I mean, where do you think Damian Lillard should be in these conversations about MVP? Is he top five? Is he top seven? Like, where do you see him in the kind of the pantheon of of MVP candidates in the league right now?
2: Um, I, I would say top seven is probably a good way of putting it. Like, I, I didn't have a list run from me. I, I think Harden is by far the favorite still. Anthony Davis has been playing out of his mind as well and like Jesus like once once Boogie went down everybody thought their season was over and they're on a huge yeah, win right. streak Me too, because yeah. that guy is playing out of his mind um I still think LeBron James has to be up there I think that what has happened in Cleveland this year has obviously been a train wreck but he is playing at such a high level and uh you know a lot of people even feeling that he might be playing as well now as maybe ever, um, so I, to me he has to be in top five,
1: but um, I, and I maybe even have him second or third. Well, uh, well, let's 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 really quick compare yeah. him to a couple other players. So would you take Dame over Steph Curry, yes or no?
2: In MVP, probably. It's 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 this year, be Yeah, run. yeah. I mean, it's, it's got to be close. Just, just because Curry, Curry with the injuries too, and and missing a few games, yeah. so th- that has to play a factor. Um, would I take him over Durant? Maybe not. But um, again, yeah, like it's close, and and again, those guys kind of hurt each other's case, um, because Damien has been so darn valuable to the Blazers. One um, uh, one more in here it might
1: be oh, yeah. one more in here might be a little controversial. Uh, Dame or Westbrook, the the last year's MVP. As MVP,
2: yeah, As MVP. <laughs> you have to go with Dame. Yeah. I, 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 you know, Westbrook got his wish of of. You know, and yes, Mello obviously. Oh, I, hear that. I, I don't think Mello was his wish, but Paul George was his wish. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like you know, that, that was another nice uh contributor next to him. And uh yeah, I, I just I don't even think he's really in the conversation this year.
1: I, I, I Which don't, is I so doubt- anyone- five votes which is so weird because he's not like playing that much worse than last year but I agree like the narrative around Westbrook last year it's frustrating that because Steven Adams agreed to let Westbrook get a bunch of rebounds that like somehow oh like he averaged a triple double it's like did he really though like I don't know Uh, Keith where are you on this he did and you have a great point (laughs) (laughs)
0: it's not even that different from when Kevin Love was in Minnesota. I was saying the same thing back then. We were still, the blazers were still centered around LaMarcus and there's a lot of competition between LaMarcus and love as far as who is the better all-star power forward and who's kind of the the real stretch for at the time. Uh, Love starts getting all this attention, kind of nods over LA mostly in my opinion, because no one else was there in Minnesota helping him. He got a lot of credibility and a lot of credential that he built his future career on, uh, because of these inflated numbers i'm not saying he's not a good player he's a very valuable player and he's turned into even more of one than he was back then but i think there's no question that when you're when you're alone on the team you're doing more you should be given at least in the past you should be given more uh credit as a player and i feel like that puts dame in a good spot like where you're saying he should be considered over westbrook over curry right now as far as mvp voting will that actually happen Probably not because it's about exposure and, you know, you're always going to have that stupid stigma about the Northwest and late games, yada, yada, and all the rest. But well, let me, I don't know. Let me. I, I think Dame's doing great, man.
2: Just one thing to add there. I was always on the Aldridge over love thing. And I think you, you have to also balance these numbers with team success. And yeah. That, that's a, a huge way we measure players. That's, I think, one of the reasons why Michael Jordan is has such a great case as being that all-time player, because the, I feel like the only player before Michael Jordan to average 30 points per game in the same season that they won the uh, NBA championship, I think it might be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and uh, Rick Barry. And the first season that Wilt Chamberlain won NBA championship was the season where he did not leave the league in scoring. The first, the second uh, NBA championship Wilt Chamberlain won, he was, I believe, it was the first season where he didn't score 20 points per game. And I think he might have been like the fourth or fifth leading scorer on the team. And it, I, like that was a team that had three guys who at the time were absolutely top 10 all-time best players in the NBA history, and they couldn't win the championship together. So that's a, it's a big factor. Situation absolutely plays a factor in it. And I think Dame's situation this year and how well the Blazers have been playing and then at the point where they are, like where they overtook that third seed in the West,
1: that really, really helps his case. Well, you're talking about team success, and Keith mentioned exposure a second ago. So, Mike, I wanted to ask you, you know, Damian Lillard was snubbed from the All-Star game the last couple years. He got in this year. I'm wondering, do you think that him making the All-Star game and playing as well as he did, do you think that that is right. helping his MVP chances? Or do you think that that's like not really that big of a determinant um, as far as like people kind of knowing who he is and seeing him on that national stage? Do you think that matters at all?
2: Yeah, if he hadn't made the All-Star team, I, I don't know. that That, that could have played a factor, honestly. But yeah, he was absolutely deserving. And uh, not only that, he like balled out in the all-star game right. too. So people were like, okay, yeah, like this guy should be there. And um, only
0: got to get an all-star MVP vote besides LeBron, right? He, was, he got the one vote and LeBron got the other 11 or whatever it
1: was. So yeah.
2: oh he yeah, got credit. Yeah, I, I, I guess somebody was voting before the game was over, but.
1: Um, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> well, I'm basically, um, okay. So at this point, Damian Lillard, in my mind, just won an MVP. That's what you just said, Keith, right? So he's an MVP. Great. <laughs> got it. No, good oh
0: okay let me let me ask you this mike uh who, who actually votes for the all-star uh, or i'm sorry yeah the i'm sorry not the all-star but the mvp uh in the end of it is it coaches is it media is it a combination
2: i feel like it's it's usually media and uh, yeah I, I feel like it's media and a lot of the times i do feel like the media puts in their vote before the end of the game like it's it, and then sometimes it's again like it, that's funny because i remember uh less invitational a couple years ago. I had a friend, and um, you know, he was going to vote. Oak Hill crushed uh, DeMatha in the finals. But DeMatha had this guy named Markel Fultz, who was by far the best player in the tournament. And uh, he ended up winning tournament MVP. And then uh, the year after that, it was even more controversial to me because Marvin Bagley was given the award over Michael Porter. And Michael Porter, I felt not only had the better tournament, but then his team won in the finals.
0: Yeah, So <laughs> <that> was, <laughs> voting early.
2: That was, that was like, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of like just giving it okay. to this guy, you know. But uh, yeah, it, you know, you never know with those MVP votes. Um, I feel like there have been some questionable All Star MVP uh, casting and and everything like that. But this year, I, I think that absolutely the right person won because uh, you know his team won and. Like for the All Star, yeah, the best player in the game,
0: yeah. But the MVP at the end of the year is also media, right? Like both, not not the All Star MVP, but the normal. Okay, so I wanted to bring that up because uh we had a quote from Mark uh Spears for, at ESPN after the Lakers' victory. Right, we're sitting at seven wins. Mark J. Spears at ESPN writes: Portland's at Dame Lillard scored thirty nine in the comeback victory over the host Lakers. The Blazers have now won seven straight. If Lillard can lead the Blazers to the West's third seed, he has to get M- NBA MVP consideration. So again, like that's this is media and you know, maybe someone who kind of saw the performance in the all-star and is now paying a little more attention to Portland and what we're doing up here. Uh, there was also a number of segments recently on the jump and on sports nation the last week about how the blaze have been playing. So if he is getting a little more attention from the, from the media, do you think third seed is enough to him, for him to really start to get MVP votes?
2: Uh, I think not, not to win. Just get, voted, I, like, right? I like the, I like the way Mark phrased it too, because he says consideration yeah. and, yeah. Mark also is a Bay Area guy. So I, I feel like that probably I I think he's always been paying attention to Damian <laughs> Lillard since he's been in the NBA. That's fair. So, so Mark Mark's a guy I, I very much trust there, knows what Damian Lillard is capable of. But yeah, he's getting consideration. Does that still mean that he's had like a better season than what James Harden's done? And like the, the fact right. is that. The, the Rockets were still great even when Chris Paul wasn't playing. And uh, yeah, th- what James Harden's done over the last few years has been pretty amazing. Even if you harp on his defense or, you know, harp on all like the insane flopping and like the <laughs> crazy foul calls he gets, he's obviously, he knows the system. he's very, very difficult to defend. I I was at the game where he scored 48 against the Blazers and they came back from uh, being Houston came back from being 14 points down. And yeah, the guy was just ridiculous. And uh, so, yeah, I I think it's going to take a lot to unseat Harden, especially since you have the narrative of how well he's played over the past few years. Plus he has the record to back it up.
0: Okay, so shooting ridiculous, though, playing ridiculous, really. Uh, I wanted to get back to Dame. Even if he's not winning the MVP, we are talking about him getting at least some consideration, some votes. It's getting more exposure up here. At the very least, this could be a good thing for the Blazers in the future, able to draw more players into Portland, maybe free agents, you know. Uh Per Rip City Project, they had an article recently on Dame's uh, production. They said, I believe this was before the Warriors game, maybe even a game before that, over the last 10 games, Damian Lillard is averaging 35.4 points, highest in the league during that stretch. He was shooting 48.9% from the field, including a stellar 43% from three. The Blazers were 9-1 in in those games. So there you go. It was kind of uh, before the streak got going. Uh, And I also had notes. Dame is over 60% true shooting as well. I know Anthony Davis has also gone on an amazing run, but as far as just the real production we've got here do you think this is how, how not I don't want to say sustainable because obviously Lillard is not going to sustain like 35 percent 43 percent from deep and all this but how much do you think this holds on through the end of the season does he continue to really like keep this in overdrive to carry the Blazers or do we see someone else step up and maybe like if CJ starts to play even tougher does Dam get to maybe let off the gas a little
2: you ultimately you hope that you know CJ is uh going to be Show what he did in that Golden State game and, you know, come back to one of his games where he's at like 50, over 55% shooting from the field and making the shots that he usually makes. So, yeah, you, you, it's really hard to win when a guy is averaging 35 a game. And it's just not something that's common during a win streak for a guy to be averaging like 40 points per game. And you want balance. And you, you want some of the other guys to step up. And, and I think against the Warriors, that, that's what we saw. We, we saw a bit more balance. We saw Ed Davis step up. We saw Zach Collins step up. Um, even Evan Turner have a pretty decent game. So, yeah, it's uh, you, you want to get the team involved. And that's why I, I don't think it's, you're right, it's not sustainable. And you ultimately hope that you have a bunch of these other pieces clicking as well.
1: Well, I want to, use a phrase for the way that Dame's been playing that I'm lifting from Zach Lowe does a weekly column for ESPN called 10 Things That I Like and Don't Like About the NBA or something like that. Great call. Yeah, he he used the phrase uh, for Damian Lillard's play during the streak, an icy, manipulative calm. And what he was talking about was Damian Lillard's ability to do what he wants. He doesn't have to force the issue. People are bending and adapting to him. He can see the game is so slowed down. Um, the reason why I think that that's a good way to describe how he's playing it's not just that Dame is going nuclear over and over again which he is but I mean there are some games in there where he's scored you know about 20 20 points which is not you know a right. ton of points the thing that I'm thinking about is that the threat of Damian Lillard has now like tr- at least for now has transcended like what he may actually do in a game and the reason why that's important is if, if he's a threat If people think that he could drive or shoot or get contact or pass, it makes it so, so hard for defenses to know how to play him. And it opens up everybody else. So, Mike, you're right. It's like you do need other players to get involved. But, like, at this point, it's not just him pounding it over and over again. It's that you can see the way he plays is opening up for everybody else. And that, Mm -hmm. to me, that is sustainable because that means he can take a game or two off so long as he maintains that threat. So, yeah, I'm very interested to see how he closes out the season. He looks healthy. Um, there's no like plantar fasciitis he's had in the past or weird ankle tweaks or things of that nature. So I don't know me personally, I'm super stoked about it. Keith, I mean, what do you think? Do you think Dame can keep this up?
0: uh i i, I would Just love say yes. to see it it's sure it sure is exciting to see him <laughs> keyed up but i'm i'm more with what mike was saying i think we've got to see more balance we did start to see a little more of this with the game against the Warriors the other night dame wasn't even the leading scorer cj pulled it out at the end really kind of caught fire and and made i think that bucket to pass dame right at the end of it uh we've also seen though some amazing play from zach collins ed davis shabazz even pat has really been looking up we were talking about this a little bit on the pre-show but uh so three of these guys, uh, Ed Davis, Shabazz, and Pat are all set to walk after this year if we can't re-sign them or trade them somewhere for value. So I think this is going to be kind of a recurring question as we get closer towards the end of the season. But if you can only keep one of those players, who has the most value to the Blazers? Uh, Mikey, wh- who do you take? Baz, Ed Davis, or... Uh, before, or he answers, before he
1: answers, before he answers, there's sure. only ahead, one There's only one right answer. And that's all I'm going to say. I want to <laughs> see, see what you say okay. about this. Uh, I
2: He's... Become such a universally beloved figure amongst the Blazer fans, and uh, I go with Ed Davis. Yeah,
1: now, yeah. Okay, <laughs> see, that's the right and, answer. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, ding ding
2: ding. Like, he just <laughs> he had eight offensive rebounds against the Warriors, and and they are actually the team that gives up the most offensive rebounds in the NBA. Uh, but but again, that's a way you beat the Warriors. So he just. Having that is so valuable, and then like having a good backup center and a guy who doesn't get run off the floor, also. So like that kind of small ball backup center, and because originally when he was drafted into the league, I remember most people saw him as power forward, but he's become that really good backup five, and uh, that's why the Blazers' roster is kind of interesting because they have so many like guys who you would like to play at five. Um, So yeah, and, and again, like. That leads me to say, like, what are we going to do with Nurk and uh, the the contract right. there? So NERC, I think Nurk becomes part of that conversation too, maybe as the the fourth guy. Mm, um, I, I again, like, if you can get Nurk for a reasonable number, then I, I think you absolutely go for it. Like, the, I, I was at um, a Blazer Banter, and they were talking nice. about Nurk getting signed for. Um, around what Myers is being like what Myers got, which I think 11 or 12, like, yeah, because they're saying there's not much of a market out there for, for big men uh, in this free agency. I don't see that being a, a point with Nurk. I think that he, Absolutely, will look at Myers' contract and be like, "Okay, I need like at least five or six mm-hmm. million more than this." And he'll look yeah. at like what Mason Plumley got. He'll, he'll, look, he'll look at stuff like that. So I don't think it's that cut and dry. For oh, we'll sign Nurk for a bargain. But, you know, if you can get Nurk for a decent price, you'd love to keep some of the other guys, too. And the guy I feel we have the least chance of keeping just because of where his market value is is probably Napier, even though he's played really well. Mm, I I just think that he's a guy that they'll kind of uh, somebody will offer him a contract that the Blazers just won't necessarily want to match.
1: Well, back to Nurk really quick. I mean, it's true. The cap environment is so much different now teams don't have a lot of money but beyond that there's not this huge market for you know uh, starting level centers i mean Nurkic is not even a top 10 center in the league which is mm-hmm. disappointing because right. we thought that he could yeah. be that and maybe he still could be right so like part part, part of me young. thinks yeah part of me thinks like you know what Nurk like if you want to get paid more than Myers like find the team that's going to do it um the one thing i have heard is that the nets might again be looking to right. put a wrench in the Blazers' plans. Here's my take on this. I want to get both of your opinions, whoever wants to answer first. So let's say that the Nets pull a Nets and they offer him like $16 million a year for four years. The Blazers have Zach Ooh. Collins, who's coming on and who plays well with Ed Davis, who we were just talking about. Does mm-hmm. the fact that the Blazers have both Ed Davis and Zach Collins And Giannis Antetokounmpo's dad, Papa Giannis, which you can talk about in a second. But because they have (laughs) Zach Collins and Ed Davis, is Yusuf Nurkic expendable at this point?
0: Oh, that's tough. Oh, my God. Okay, I guess I'll take this first. I'm not saying he's expendable. Uh, 16 is right about, I think, where the ceiling should be set on what the price that we're looking to pay for him is. Uh, 15, 16, I think, is probably the the high end of what we want to pay for Nurkic. And I think even that is going to really depend on what other deals are being done? What are other kind of space is being made on the roster or what kind of shape it's starting to take? I love the idea of Zach Collins and Ed Davis staying together as a pair. Like you said, Mikey, I think that, uh, Ed Davis really, besides being a good small ball center, he's a really good mentor for these guys. He's a really good locker room presence. He said a lot of things about wanting to stay in Portland. It's totally possible that we might be able to get him on a good deal. Um, and, and this is important because earlier this season, I think we talked about this on the show, Brandon, where, uh, I was pretty convinced that, Ed Davis was out, not out the door, but that we had to get rid of him even more than we had to get rid of Shabazz just because his value was going to be so high as kind of the small ball center and, and the rebounding numbers he's putting up. At this point, he's still playing just as well, but I feel like Shabazz, it's almost that Shabazz has risen his value enough and kind of uh, gained a little more traction that we can now afford to get rid of him and not have to maybe get rid of Ed. Uh, getting back to what the actual question though, Brandon, as far as Nurkic. Yeah, I think 16 is about the ceiling. And it does depend on what else the roster is shaping up as it sure would be nicer though. If we could say to Nurk, look, we've got Zach Holmes, we've got Ed Davis, we've got uh, uh Giannis's dad, Papa Giannis over here waiting in the <laughs> rafters. And, uh, and so, so yeah, if, if we got all these guys, maybe Nurkic, you know, he can't quite demand as high, but I don't know, Mikey, you agree or disagree?
2: I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think 16 should kind of be the capper there. I feel like uh, the Nets offering Alan Crabb 18, um, they, they could you know do that really high deal, and I, I felt like eighteen for Allen Crab was just way too much considering his role, even though he played really well that one season he was there. Um, I they agree with you, but yeah, he uh, yeah, I, they do, but um, <laughs> yeah, I I think and and let me just say this with Ed too, he's got like a really perfect role right now, like. For years, the Raptors used to start Amir Johnson, and I was like, oh, if only Amir Johnson could play like 15 to 20 minutes a game, and that's what we have with Ed. So if you have to play him like that many more minutes, I don't know how happy we would be as a team, but I just think the role that he plays right now is great, and if we could just keep him there. And then- I'd like to roll with Nurk. Like I'd like, I'd love to see how it how it all works out. Um, yeah. He's been super inconsistent, of course, and kind of a a letdown from Nurk Fever uh, of last year. But he's but also on the rise, right? He's coming yeah. back right now. He's showing promise. And- he is, and yeah, he's a young guy. He got into good shape. So, I, and I think the more you kind of roll with this roster, too, the more interesting it could be.
1: Well, let me say this really quick about Ed Davis. So he does fit this role for this team in particular. Uh, fits really, really well. He can't shoot. So like part of me thinks the mm-hmm. way the NBA is going, I'm not I, I mean, how many teams need, you know, like a, an undersized center who can rebound and can't shoot? I don't think there are too many of them, so like mm. I'm not super concerned that Ed Davis is going to get a ton of deals. So it makes it more hopeful for me. I'm more hopeful the Blazers can re-sign him. Let me ask you this, Mike. We were talking about Shabazz Napier really quick. So I guess a two-part question. You know, given the way he's played this year, one, do you think that other NBA teams see Shabazz Napier as a starting point guard on a good team? And then two, you know, how much do you think he can command uh, in free agency? <laughs>
2: Think he's helped himself. I still don't know if you can see him as like a starting point guard on a good team. So that that probably hurts him a little bit. Um, I also think that the point guard market in the NBA is pretty saturated. So yeah, yeah th- like that will also be interesting. You, you wonder how many teams out there are like, not only can they draft a point guard, like something along those lines also. So th- th- there are like a couple other young point guards that are going to be entering the league. And um yeah, I, I'm i not exactly sure how much he's going to command. I just feel like if it's anywhere and like when you have as much money invested into Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum as you do, I think too much more. And then you have Nurk to worry about too. Like that that's the other big thing. So if they do sign Nurk, I think that even if Shabazz Want something that's pretty reasonable. If it's like seven or eight, which is like backup money, it's going to be pretty tough to justify that, considering the Blazers already like are pretty high over the cap. And Evan Turner obviously puts a monkey wrench into that too. Like you know, so yeah. Ugh. Like if if Evan Turner had <laughs> signed for seventeen point five million dollars, maybe you have a little bit more flexibility there. Red but I hero. yeah. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Brandon loves ET. I just have to throw that in there every time. Uh, No, I don't. I'm
1: sure he's a perfectly nice guy. I mean, yeah, he's got a cool house. I mean. (laughs) Yes, he does.
0: He's got a great wardrobe. All the the wonderful robes that he has. Mikey, it's been great talking with you, man. We've had you on for a while. I want to get hit two more quick topics before we let you go. One of them, as we've kind of alluded to, the Blazers signed another 10-day contract. They let Brandon Rush go. So we got rid of one Brandon. Sorry, Brandon. uh, And they picked up. The father of Giannis Antetokounmpo, not really. Yorgos Papayanis. I hope I'm saying the first name right. I feel pretty good about the last one, but the first one, Yorgos, more than Georges, I think is the way they pronounce it. Yorgos. Seven foot one, 240 240-pound dude, drafted 13th in 2016, and as we were talking about earlier, he is the highest-drafted Greek player in, the NBA, in NBA history, higher than even Greek freak at, at 15 a couple of years before. Uh, drafted by Phoenix, immediately got taken to Sacramento. Then he was waived by the Kings in early February. Extremely uncommon for a rookie, especially big, to be waived, especially someone they traded for. You were telling me a little bit more about this and kind of the strange story that this guy has. Tell me, tell the listeners something about uh, what this guy's history is and what could he mean to the Blazers. Like, where where is this going for us?
2: So I have to shout out. So the first time I heard about, uh, I, I, I just call him George Popianis. But uh, the first time I heard about him was uh, there is a. Guy who calls himself European baller on NBA draft.net forums. And he actually was the guy who dropped Giannis before anybody knew about Giannis. But he talked about this guy. He was a seven foot 14 year old, George Papiannis playing pro ball like amongst men in Greece, which is not typical. So the the fact that you know you have a guy there who was just well ahead of the curve, and then uh, you know would do well in um, youth competition and stuff like that. As Keith did mention, Oregon and Gonzaga and some other teams were looking, and Kentucky, I think, even were looking at him to possibly come to the NCAA. Also, um, so yeah, he he was on the radar for a long time. It was a bit of a surprise he entered the draft. He had some buzz, but I. I think most people were like, OK, maybe he goes late first, like maybe he's like a Spurs pick. They leave overseas for a while or, or something like that. And then, yeah, the draft day trade you're talking about, The it was uh, 13, 22, 28. And then eighth pick was um, Marquise Chris, and Sacramento made that trade. And their first selection there was George Papianis at 13. They chose Malachi Richardson at 22, and then they chose Scalvisier at 28. And um, George papianis just seems like a guy who is one of those plotting centers uh, that you're not really seeing much in the NBA anymore. Like kind of, he, he yeah. could shoot a bit. Like, that was the thing I think people were kind of hoping for is having that uh, ability to stretch. But uh, you haven't really he he hasn't gotten much of a chance. But you haven't really seen that in the NBA but defensively very slow. He does have like a seven foot six wingspan too. So like he has some physical tools, but like I said to Keith, as far as signing him for the 10 day contract, like to me, he's a guy you like maybe want to bring out some of the fire in like Myers Leonard, like that, that's the type of guy you go up against. So like, yeah, he's a guy you want your like third center right now to Uh, go after in practice or or something along those lines. I was shocked that a lottery selection um, was not only cut from the team, but then uh, Adrian Wozniarowski wrote about um, the Cleveland deal and how Sacramento eventually traded George Hill to Cleveland and uh, Utah was involved in the deal. And Sacramento last minute tried to get Papiannis into the deal and that almost ruined everything. (laughs) <laughs> because Utah was not having it, and yeah, <laughs> like nobody wanted to touch him. And I, th- this guy's been scouted pretty heavily, so yeah, I guess they they must see something in him, but I, I doubt it's a long term thing. And uh, again, like you know, it's a ten day contract. They've done that with C J Wilcox and let him go. They've done that with um right uh Brendan Rush. And uh, I guess obviously you know they're looking to see if maybe there's anything there, and I think a lot of NBA teams do that as well. So, uh, but yeah, I was shocked that he was cut as the 13th pick. Like you don't, not only even like traded or thrown in. Right. They they traded Malachi Richardson for two years away from two years away, uh, Bruno Caballero in Toronto. Like so, they pretty much just were like, okay, you know, Bruno's kind of struggled in the G league this year like he he's still really raw he had a seven foot seven wingspan like he, that guy had a lot of physical tools was shocking that he was drafted that high. Papyanus might not have been as shocking but still pretty surprising. and then the fact that Sacramento had or Sacramento's management Vladi Divash, had the freedom to cut a guy that he had taken in the lottery a year and a half uh before then is just it it's really shocking
1: (laughs) well the thing that i want to say about it that's that's maybe most shocking of all to me and someone who doesn't really know poppy that much to be fair the guy's only 20 years old so the fact that they cut him i mean they must really not see any path for his development it's wild and yeah we're probably not going to see him on the blazers that much longer keith i know you had one more question but i just wanted to slide in that comment before you asked it no you're totally good very good good
2: point brandon very good point point. And that is the weird thing about this. He's a young player, and not only did Sacramento cut him, but then, like you were saying,
0: Mikey, Utah didn't even want him. They did not want this to be part of the deal at all. It's it's crazy. It's a very strange case. Uh, Don't know if we'll see anything from him in Portland or not, but, you know, just wanted to get that out there. The last thing I want to go over, we had a listener poll this week, so I want to ask you guys, uh, as I ask the listeners... Blazers are about to face off against three Eastern Conference opponents like we talked about. The Heat, the Cavs, and the Pistons all coming to Portland this week. Do we extend the win streak and how far? Can we make it 12 games, take all three? Do we lose the first one right after that to Miami or to Cleveland or Detroit? Where are you guys at?
2: I, I'm going to go with the Blazers, just keeping on winning. Yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, <laughs> and you know I'm I'm just going out on a limb here because well, we really have no idea. Like you know, Cleveland hasn't been playing well, especially on right? the road. So that's very winnable if Miami doesn't have Dwayne Wade, who has been putting up like great numbers in right. like about twenty three or twenty four minutes a game, um, and giving them like a a huge boost off the bench. Uh, and then Hassan Whiteside, of course, like. Uh, a guy who I I'm not sure the numbers used to kind of be like, oh, maybe they play a little bit better without that guy. Um, and then it's Kelly O'Linnick back like you. There are still some injury concerns there, too. So if the Blazers are healthy against Miami, very winnable Cleveland again, very winnable and uh, Tristan Thompson went down Larry Nance was looking good. But then they lost to the Clippers and like, you know, they they, uh, they haven't been very consistent. So we'll see what happens there. And then if they lose to Detroit, then I just don't even know.
1: <laughs> I mean, my comment on that, I mean, first of all, Keith called the three and a week last week when I said it was gonna be two and one. Yeah. So Keith, you deserve credit for that. Uh, I, yeah. I'm not I'm not super scared of the Pistons. They've been playing poorly and Blake Griffin has been playing okay, but I mean they're just not what they hoped they'd be. Miami, like you said, without Dwayne Wade, without Whiteside. I don't see that being I mean not to be flip about it but I don't see that being a huge challenge. The one thing that I am a little worried about if if LeBron James decides that he really wants to win that game, that he wants yeah. to like get amped right, then they're they're probably going to win because it's not just him playing, it's how the other players feed off of his energy, right? Like it's so important mm, to that Cleveland team. Like that's the whole thing. So and, uh, and that's been the other thing this year Brandon, like those other guys
2: haven't necessarily been stepping up and doing that. So like that to me, this is why it's been one of LeBron's more challenging teams, um, and you, you can maybe say part of that's LeBron. Who who knows? But I, I feel like a lot of it has been the other guys have been pretty darn inconsistent, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see if it we'll see what happens. But yeah, any any game where you're playing against LeBron James, especially um, uh, for a team that has really struggled against great wing guys and stuff like right. that, LeBron is whatever you want him to be. Um yeah, like okay. I, I was I was at the Washington game where Bradley Beale scored 50. I was at the <laughs> game where James Harden scored 48. I oh. watched Kevin Durant <laughs> just even the games that they won against the Warriors, Kevin Durant just destroyed 50 and 40. Them. Uh so yeah it, it it'll be tough, but yeah. And and a big part of that is also the like cj and, and dame having good games as well um and i'm not sure what cleveland will do to stop them from doing that so
0: okay so we've got mikey you said three and o a week it's gonna happen brandon are you on the same page we're all going three and o?
1: i'm gonna go two and a half and a half and it really depends on <laughs> the cleveland games i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna hedge no, yeah half measures man. all right all right all so right all right all right, right, the, right three two. no three no three no make there it happen yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: The listeners are with us on the optimism train here. The listeners of 96 votes that we had on this listener poll, we have 59% of the votes saying, yes, we we're going 3-0 this week. The next closest, 29%, saying uh, Cleveland would be the first loss for us. So there you go. We're either going 11-game win game winning streak or 12-game winning streak. This is looking awesome. Wait, I can't wait. Hold
1: on. Wait, 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 wait. Keith, I just want to say that the, the, the choices that you gave, you had four choices. Yeah, yeah. One of them was for 3-0. <laughs> The second one was for two and one. The third is for two and one. And the fourth is also for two and one. So you didn't really give people yep. an option to go any worse <laughs> than two and one. But uh, anyway, yeah, I just had to say I had to call you out on that. I'm sorry. That's
0: good. That's hey, good. that was Twitter, man. Twitter wouldn't
2: let me do that. That is
1: confidence right try. there.
2: That is confidence.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, God, it's going to happen. Anyway, Mikey, thank you so much for coming on the show again, man. Really good to have you. Please come back on the Trailcasters again. Anytime. If listeners want to contact you, what is the best way to do so?
2: NBA uh, draft Mikey V on Twitter and um, Mikey V at NBA draft.net uh, if they want to email me talk some thanks. basketball but
1: yeah thanks so much for having me guys it was a great time once again
0: always man anything coming up soon to uh, let the listeners know about
1: yeah he's going to be a guest on this really cool podcast coming up like <laughs> yeah. these guys are trail classers. they're pretty good um,
2: I Of course, want to mention NCAA March Madness coming up. We don't know exactly how much that means as far as draft stock or anything like that. A lot of people say stars get mid March. I'm not necessarily somebody that says that because I look at the full body of work, but definitely (laughs) stars get publicity in March, and then they. Come into the fans' consciousness. And like, you know, that's when fans start saying Shabazz Naper should be a lottery pick and and stuff like that. And um you've finally at least starting to uh prove that he should have been taken in that first round. So that's great for him. Um the big thing for me that's coming up is uh the Nike Hoop Summit. And if you live in Portland, the game is on April 13th. It is 12 of the best. USA high school seniors, which they will yes. hopefully announce soon, um, versus 12 of the best players under 19 from all over the world. So it's a USA versus the world format. Uh, tickets are very cheap. So uh, yeah, if you haven't been, it's a great time. You see a lot of future NBA players there, a lot of NBA scouts out to watch them. I, I get to go to practices during the week, so I'll, I'll have stuff from that and uh give you some information about these players but yeah um a lot of the top picks from the the past few drafts have uh played at the hoop summit and uh so yeah again uh, like a great time to get these guys into your consciousness and then uh you know see some future stars
0: great well yeah so everybody check out the hoop summit check out NBA nbadraft.net michael thank you again for coming on man we will have you back on the show soon thank you sir We'll be right back with more Trailcasters, but first, let us tell you about one of our sponsors, Clearly Speaking.
1: Clearly Speaking, yeah. So, Brenda is a speech-language pathologist who operates under the name Clearly Speaking, which is apropos because she helps you find your best voice, whether you are a student who are doing interviews, whether you're a communications major, you work in customer service, or you just want to get more comfortable with your speaking voice, Clearly Speaking can help with that, again, Brenda, who is a listener of the show, so you know that Shout she's out. awesome. She's a certified speech-language pathologist and that's something I'm pretty familiar with. I've talked about before that I used to have a pretty major speech impediment, couldn't pronounce my R's or my S's, couldn't even pronounce my own name, which is a problem. Uh, when you have a name that has R's in it, you want to be <laughs> able to pronounce it. So uh, I worked with a certified speech language pathologist for uh, about a year when I was a kid, got that all cleared up. Um, and now, look, now I'm on a podcast. Whoever knew. So yeah, if you're someone, again, like if you're someone who wants maybe to maybe do podcasting or you're appearing on radio shows, or, again, you just want to get more comfortable in your own voice. Brenda can help with that, and you can find her at clearlyspeakingoregon.com. That's clearlyspeakingoregon.com. Go check her out.
0: Thank you again to Michael Weisenberg of NBA Draft.net and the Trailcasters Senior Draft and Analyst. We will have him back on here soon. But for now, it's time for some overtime with Brandon and I. We want to give you guys some updates on the Dallas Mavs situation. Uh, As we have previously talked about, the uh, former, I believe it was CEO, as well as one of the beat reporters, uh, Sneed for the Mavericks, have really gotten themselves into some trouble as far as uh, their mistreatment of co-workers and women specifically. We are now hearing some updates in the last week. Uh, Something happened in 2011 right here in Portland, Oregon, involving the Mavericks owner, Mark Cuban. Uh, This was reportedly investigated by the police... Uh, for an alleged sexual assault that occurred in a nightclub is now being brought back up. Nigel, I hope I'm saying this name right, Nigel Jacuice of Willamette Week, reports that a woman said Cuban assaulted her after she asked him for a picture at the barrel room when the Mavericks were in Portland for a first-round playoff series with the Blazers. The complainant submitted several photos and a statement, but did not file, did not have enough evidence of wrongdoing in the photos, and charges were never actually filed. This is obviously a sticky situation and not necessarily related to the situation that we're now seeing in Dallas. But as we spoke about before, Brandon, this does kind of speak to a culture, uh, that is going on down there and it, this this gives a little more kind of perspective on possibly why he, why Cuban felt it was okay to excuse Sneed and keep some of this other stuff going. I have to say personally you and I, again, as we've talked about the last few episodes, we have each been kind of on a different page as far as whether Cuban should be forced into selling the team you have been for it and I've been kind of on the fence. Again, not trying to defend Cuban and give him a free pass, but just wanting to hear more, wanting to have more evidence before I really go that far I gotta be honest, I'm starting to lean, I'm starting to kind of come to your side. I, I feel like this is is a sign of just inappropriate culture, inappropriate uh, behavior that is is uh, integrated enough into the structure of the team that it has to be changed from from the bones out at this point, not even just the top down, but from bones out.
1: I think you make a good point that it's illustrative of how perhaps Cuban would view these kinds of events and how. He would think that they were serious or not serious. So I want to bring something else in here, too, which is very disappointing to me. Rick Carlisle is the coach of the Mavericks and one of the more well-respected coaches in the league. He said something to the effect of that this report about this alleged incident in the nightclub was, quote, fake news. The reason why that's so disappointing to hear him say that is because the the reporter who did the reporting, he talked to the person who was affected. He talked to people who worked at the establishment at the time. He looked at the allegations and the documentation that was filed. That's not fake news. That's called right. actual news. That's called actual reporting. <laughs> you have one of the people who worked there said that, yeah, I remember that night. Mark Cuban was very handsy. He had too much to drink. We refused him service. So that's not fake news, Rick Carlisle, at all. Like, I don't care if you want to defend your owner or if you think that the allegations are not accurate. That's a fair take. But to call something like that fake news when it's so clearly actual real news is very, very disappointing. And so, yes, I'm with you, Keith, that this is illustrative, perhaps, of how Mark Cuban views things like sexual assault and sexual harassment. And, yeah, for me, I mean, I was already in the camp. That because of the power that Mark Cuban had, the power he chose not to exercise and protect his female staff, that he should be forced to sell the team. I think this is just another chip into that barrel. So however this entire kind of internal investigation of the Mavericks turns out, I am hoping that people look at the full context of these things. And yes, I do think that these alleged alleged activities uh, uh, that he took part in, I think that that should be part of that fuller context in my view.
0: Yeah, you you do have to look at the full picture. So let me talk about, let's talk about the other, uh, I guess the next step of this. Uh, We have heard the Dallas Mavericks were trying to make some changes. They've already brought in uh, someone, forgive me, I'm forgetting her name, but they brought in a new CEO, someone who's trying to really reshape and see things over. Uh, That aside, if the NBA was to pursue this, was to move forward with, uh, I, I mean, I guess we're talking about. You would have to, if if it's going to be like what happened with Donald Sterling in LA with the Clippers, this is going to be something that would possibly result in a legal battle with the NBA versus Mark Cuban or NBA versus Dallas Mavericks. Uh, And I mean, that didn't go too smoothly last time, but Sterling, it sounds like from what I'm hearing uh, around kind of NBA basketball, Twitter, and all the rest. Cuban is a bit more of a formidable legal opponent than Sterling was. He is notorious for digging up dirt uh, on his opponents. And it's possible that the NBA might be a little afraid of pursuing this and trying to oust him if it could bring up other things, other skeletons out of the closet. They're not wanting to face right now.
1: I mean, the threat of retaliation should never inform how you approach a situation. So my view on this is the NBA at a minimum after all of the information comes to light They don't have to necessarily, you know, have Silver stand on a podium the way way he did with Donald Sterling and say that Mark Cuban's banned for life. They could just say, look, the NBA has reviewed this information and it's our determination that it'd be in the best interest of the team if they found a different owner because of this systemic failure to address these very serious concerns. That would send a very strong message, right? So I, I don't know how this is going to end. All I know is that, again, if we're talking about a movement where women are finally getting the serious attention to the concerns they've been bringing up for years, that we're finally paying attention to these things and holding people accountable meaningfully, I think that you have to hold people accountable at the very top. That includes Mark Cuban. So I guess we'll see how this all shakes out. But my hope is at the end of all of this, that the Mavericks organization and the NBA is better for it. That obviously would be a great outcome. So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I, I hope, like you said, the bottom line is that uh, we need to progress forward. We need to make the any environment where we find this, we need to make sure these things are stamped out and that the environment is left better moving forward for it. I don't know how easy, how easy it's going to be with how, how famous Cuban is, with how much kind of notoriety he has as kind of just like a public face and figure as well. We just, I mean, to be totally honest, not trying to stick on this too long, but we just saw Kobe win an Oscar despite things that he has also done in the past, which we will say for a whole nother episode, not get into that point being fame and celebrity really is a, a, quite a hurdle to justice at certain points, um, moving to something a little less direct, but still, uh, still complicated, still, uh, a complex issue, but is definitely part of sports mental health. We've seen a number of players come out recently, basically exposing themselves, uh, really opening up and, uh, exposing a vulnerable side that, in past days of the NBA, you have to believe would have been widely criticized and not really something that they would feel comfortable opening up about, something that could affect their uh, career going forward. But uh, this started with DeMar DeRozan. Started might not be right, but DeMar DeRozan tweeted during the all-star break, this depression got the best of me. At first there was a lot of confusion whether this was just a uh, a rap lyric uh, from Kevin from a Kevin Gates song, but it uh, ends up that it was a little more serious. He opened up about some things about depression and, and how tough that's been for him. But the nice part of this is right off the bat, the response of support from fans, friends, other athletes has been huge. People have not been criticizing him. People have largely been understanding and you've seen more athletes open up about this Kevin Love wrote a piece for players tribune called everyone is going through something talking about a panic attack that he has uh and said directly that DeRozan comments made him feel more comfortable speaking about this we've now seen Kelly Oubre jr open up about uh the anxiety of feeling like you can't let anybody see you weak he was raised in this environment that you can't show emotions can't show that side of you and how that feels unhealthy at this point in time uh i gotta say i feel very uh positive about this. The fact that these people are feeling more comfortable talking about it. And every time I hear it brought up on sports talk shows and in sports media, there's a lot more understanding than I think there was even in a few number of years ago when Royce White was in the NBA. And that was a big issue with this player who had uh, anxiety, a number of mental health issues, and he wasn't able to fly. And eventually it cost him his NBA career.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And it's also true. You're right. There has definitely been a stigma around sports and mental health. A lot of it comes from just, you know, we have, for lack of a better term, kind of a toxic masculine culture in America that persists to this day where men are expected to be tough. Men are expected to kind of hold things mm. in. Men are expected to maintain. When in reality, I mean, men and women are human beings and human beings, we have emotions. We have things that make us tick. We have, as you said earlier, we have things that we struggle with. And, and the fact that, especially in competitive sports, where there's even more of that kind of that machismo, like I'm bigger and better than you, like I have to beat you. It is very difficult to talk about these issues in sports, and so yeah, I'm with you that I'm very, very thankful that Damar and Kevin and Royce and others are, are more comfortable to talk about this because it helps kids and adults also yeah. be able to talk about it with people who they love and they trust and talk about it with their teammates, and it's so important, like. You know, I I don't know if you played organized basketball when you were a kid, but I definitely did, like, through elementary, middle, and high school. And, you know, my experience wasn't the same as everyone else's, but there definitely was this kind of, like, oh, like, are you tough or are you not tough? Like, you get hit in the face you a bloody nose. Yeah, like, are you going to cry about it? And, like, you know, and and, and I am hopeful that we can get to a point where we realize both men and women can be highly, highly competitive, and both men and women can also have emotions and things that make us tick. And, you know, some people are dealing with mental health issues to different extents. And so all of this is to say, yes, I'm also very glad that this is something that's being talked about. It's reflective, not just of the NBA, but really our culture in America in general. It's just something we have to get to this point where you say, look, we're human. Uh, you know, we're not robots right, right. and we're never going to be robots. So, yeah, I'm very thankful for both Damar and Kevin and Kelly Ubre and others who've come forward to chat about this.
0: Something to remember, too, I I feel like um, one of the first backlashes you would hear about these kind of issues when people are being told, oh, it's okay to have emotions, okay to be soft. You'll hear people say, well, hey, the job of journalists here is to criticize NBA players. It's are we supposed to not talk about when these guys have bad games or not kind of. Uh, I guess, let it kind of fall into like, you know, the small samples most. And I I think the answer is it needs to be with the aim should be to be less hyperbolic. Uh, Small samples are talking about how horrible a player is because of some game that happens, both as fans and in the media, maybe just need to realize there's, there are factors outside of the game that could be affecting that. And it's not going to help anything. It's not really even going to get you that much to, to rag on it that quickly.
1: Well, my, my point for that would be, look, you can criticize someone's play on the court, And as you said, the hyperbole comes in when you're trying to assign a reason for what you're seeing. So it's one thing to say they played terribly, they didn't have a good game, they negatively affected their team. That's one thing. It's another to say all those things happened because of X, Y, or Z, right? So I think for me, there's nothing wrong with criticizing players. There's nothing wrong with saying that their play on the court is good, bad, or indifferent. But what's not okay in my view is to say, you know, they're like uh, you see this a lot and I hate to dig this back up because we've talked about it a lot on show. the show the hate for Myers Leonard it goes beyond just his play on the court people make fun of the way he looks people make fun of the right. fact that he's Christian people make fun of the fact that he blocks people on Twitter and you know the blocking people on Twitter that's part of him trying to establish look in this space these are the messages I want to see. And these are the messages I don't want to see. That's perfectly fine. And look, I've this is him taking
0: control of his mental health. Like this is him saying, I don't want to see this stuff. And I'm here. I, he wants to enjoy Twitter without having to put up with that. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I prefer to go to this restaurant uh, and not that restaurant. There's nothing wrong with saying, I want to read these magazines and not those magazines. So it's just odd that like people would criticize him. So all of this is to say that, yes, you know, uh, we should be comfortable to say, you know, I'm a human. I have struggles. I have things that I go through. It's not easy sometimes, but there is support. Hopefully people can be comfortable to talk about, again, their friends and family and people they trust, their teammates about this kind of stuff. And the more that we can talk about it and just let people know they're not alone, I think the better off we are.
0: Exactly. Talking about it, having kindness, compassion, and patience for people and understanding that, like Kevin Love uh, titled his piece, everyone is going through something. At some point or another, we've all had struggles, and it's, it's important to remember that someone could be going through it right now. Let's talk about last week's games briefly. I know we already really discussed this with Mikey when he was in there. Uh, Three great victories. Monday against the Lakers, 108-103. Tuesday against the Knicks, 111-87. Friday against the Warriors, 125-108. Probably the best victory of the season. And again, Mikey, thank you for bringing me out to that. so good. Shout out, bro. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Mikey, for
1: thinking in your friend Brandon, too. (laughs) Just kidding.
0: Uh, next week we are looking at three more. And as again, as we've already talked about with Mikey, I feel like we are all on the optimism train here. We're all feeling good about a three, no week at worst a two in one week. Uh, at least this first game against Miami blazers seem to continue to have good injury timing. I'm not going to say lucky, but we have good timing as far as other teams injuries have gone and our health has stayed pretty uh, steady as well.
1: Yeah. And the blazers are going to get, well, they're going to get, I just want to say really quick about the injuries. So the blazers will get injured at some point. Is it going to happen this year? Next year, we don't know. But every team deals with injuries. It'll happen with the Blazers, too. And the Blazers, as we talked about again with Mike, they've had their fair share of really bad luck with injuries. So you're right. Happens to everybody. They're just happening hit this crest right now. Um, and let's all hope for a 3-0 week. What we do not have to hope for is that we will get questions because we know that we get questions from you every single week. We really appreciate it. Remember that you can hit us up at Trailcasters on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or email us trailcasters to gmailcom at any point during the week, not just on Sundays. But we do have some questions here. What's on the line for this week is a throwback pack it is three historical of different varying historical levels. Uh, three Blazers cards. You have a Maurice Lucas from 1980. That one's a good one. You have a Rashid Wallace oh, yeah. from 1999. And then finally, you have a Pat Connaughton rookie card. So the winner will win all three of these cards. I'm actually thinking of like how to make this even more engaging with like a live video in coming weeks i might have like a wheel of basketball cards and broadcast it live i'm still trying to work that piece out but at any rate we're going to go to random.org which is a random number generator to choose our winner but we're not going to do that right now because we're going to start with the first question which is from blazers equal love slash pain oh don't you stomp on my landing how dare you blazers (laughs) equal love slash pain at mitch Hannagod. we appreciate your questions every week buddy oh boy question is brandon related to patty in any way shape or form and if so does this mean brandon has insane hops and a knockdown shooter video proof needed winky face keith why don't you answer this question
0: Uh, yeah, Brandon is, is definitely related to Patty. I, I would say in some way, shape or form. Do you understand uh, the connection
1: have, there? Why was, why am I related to Patty? I don't get it. I'm not, that.
0: I'm not, I'm not really sure, but I'm just rolling with it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, maybe, maybe you sound Australian. You, you got kind of a, I could see maybe you got a Whoa. bit of the voice. going. Maybe the picture here, kind of the, the stash and the little goat you got going in the long hair, you got some Australian style. I could see it mixing in you. You know what? You look more Australian than Kyrie Irving. How about that? That seems like a compliment in some way or another to someone.
1: <laughs> i'm not a knockdown shooter but i can jump pretty decently for my size so i'll go ahead and take credit for that one i will run. say well how dare you there's this like did i mention this last podcast there's like a little swinging door at our work and i jumped over anyway i didn't fall over so that was pretty great question number two i'm gonna stop on your landing and steal this question Uh-oh, Matthew okay, okay. at reverend romulus who i believe was last week's winner so congrats to you um Shout question out. number two Dame's new haircut is obviously the cause of his recent amazing play. Duh. Who had the Duh. best hair in no Trailblazers history? Hashtag, obviously, it's Mark Bryant, who, if you don't remember, had that high <laughs> flat top. Um, Keith, who do you think had the best hair in Trailblazers history? Oh,
0: God. Um, oh, man, I had the name and I'm suddenly blanking. We had him just in here. Oh, there we go. Adam Morrison. Adam Morrison. The wow. guy is Adam Morrison.
1: <laughs> gross! I say this is someone who has very Adam Morrison-like hair. That's gross. That's obviously not the correct answer. Obviously, the correct answer. Come on! Is I Brian, you that one. <laughs> Brian Grant, the Rasta monster oh, with those dreads, dude. I loved Brian Grant's hair. It got longer and longer as, as time went on. Um, maybe a, a second place for this would be Clyde Drexler, and here's why: because he rocked what? being bald. He rocked it. Oh. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't shave his head until way late in his career, and he's not like LeBron James getting hair plugs trying to pretend like he's not bald no. when he very obviously is. Clyde Drexler's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna run out here bald as hell, and you can deal with it. I can play it at MVP level, <laughs> and still be bald. So I'm gonna go with the, the Brian Grant and Clyde Drexler just for having the confidence."
0: Yeah, Clyde, Clyde rocked that horseshoe for a long time. You know, the ball on top and just like let he the totally old man did. hair yes. go <laughs> on the back
1: side.
0: Uh, and, and obviously, as someone who has had dreads twice, we talked about last time on the show, I, I fully support Brian Grant. I actually saw him on TV just the other day, man. He's looking good. He sounds good. He, he seems like he's doing really well. Love it. Shout out to Brian Grant. Uh, next question coming from Daniel Joseph Graves, your buddy at Kelso. Lillard in the MVP conversation? For me, I think he's on the outside looking in. We talked about this a little bit with Mikey, obviously. But yeah, what do you think? Inside, outside, conversation? Conversation, not not winning, but is he getting some some conversation?
1: I think first of all, we have to block and ban Dan Graves from ever asking a question again for saying that. Loads <laughs> on the outside looking in. How dare you? No, I think that he is definitely in the conversation. He is in the inside looking in. Now, do I think that he's going to win the MVP? No, but you only have one player in the league who wins every year. So obviously you have a ton of very, very good players who don't win MVP. But yeah, I mean, if the question is the MVP conversation, I think that he's definitely in that conversation as we talked about. That's my take on it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I I don't think he's going to win, but I do think even being in the conversation is important. I think... uh, if he just gets some recognition, it can help Portland as a whole as far as attracting free agents just getting our overall kind of image out of this idea that, oh, small market Northwest team that doesn't that no one wants to go to. This could definitely help that kind of perception. Uh, also, I mean, this isn't in the case for Lillard, but players in general I think are going to care about being in conversations like this because if they are ever having to renegotiate a contract or anything coming up, they can say, look, I'm, I was in the MVP conversation. It doesn't have to just be, look, I won MVP. So well, it you, have mean Kawhi,
1: you have Kawhi Leonard having negotiations with Jordan Brand. right Saying that because he was MVP level player, that he deserves more money. Now it's leaving aside that he's not charismatic. He doesn't do appearances. I'm not sure why he. Anyway, we're gonna go ahead and leave that. Dame's got a lot that
0: he doesn't.
1: Yeah, for sure. Why don't you go ahead and ask the next question? Because I feel like I have a good answer for this one.
0: Next question coming in from Team Mom, a friend of the show, a former guest. Get her back on here soon. Shout out to Tara at TCB Bigs. I just stumbled into a bunch of old basketball cards. What do I do with them? there's are some Brandon. fun ones, and I don't think they are probably worth anything, but how does one go about learning more about trading cards?
1: Well, here's what you do, Tara. You send them all to Brandon, and then I'll just <laughs> keep them. No, just kidding. Uh, so there's a couple different ways to approach this. One is, and Ben Golliver just talked about this on the Open Court podcast, that he got rid of a lot of his older cards that he doesn't really have an attachment to anymore he gave them away i think step number one is do you have any kind of sentimental attachment to these things if not share them with people who are going to like them i think that's kind of the overarching philosophy with trading cards they're supposed to be traded uh and so that's that's my first thing the second thing is you can go online And if you have some that you think are worth something, you can Google them and just see kind of how they're going on eBay, whether they're worth something or not. But the last piece of advice, I would say, here's a shout out to someone who's not technically a sponsor, but Mitchell Sports Cards in Beaverton, that's where I go to get my basketball cards I buy boxes of cards. I open them up, see what comes out. I also, they have like individual Blazers cards you can flip through. Uh, they're the ones who gave us that 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 first issue Beckett last week. So shout out to yeah. Mitchell Sports Cards in Beaverton. You can go there. And I think the owner's name is Brian. And you can bring him in and he'll tell you if any of them are worth something. He's a super straight shooter, super good guy. But yeah, so for me, it's are you attached to them? Yes or no. If not, let them go. If you're curious about what they're worth, you can go to Mitchell's or another sports card shop or just check online. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's just a lot of fun. I think again, for me, share them, have fun. Um, if you don't want them anymore, let someone else enjoy them
0: time the Trailcasters. Uh, all right. I love that. I have really nothing to add. I don't know a whole lot about trading cards, but Brandon, at least we have you here as the expert for this to help Tara out. Next question coming in from pinwheel empire at pinwheel empire asks a couple questions here, all somewhat related. How come the blazers fans or media never mentioned Kenny Anderson as being a quality free agent signing? Uh, he was coming off an all-star season. Fair point.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. I think it's just cause you know, that era of, of blazers didn't do a ton. That's The PJ Carlissimo post Rick Adelman era of Blazers where they just kind of made the first round a few times, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe that's part of the reason why he just wasn't a part of one of those great Blazers teams that we really remember. I don't know. Maybe that's it.
0: But it is a fair point that uh, I think I saw this actually in a Blazers Edge article a while ago talking about this, again, this perception that Portland can't attract free agents. We've actually had a fair number, and we fare pretty well when you actually look at what some other teams haven't been able to do either. Next question coming from Pinwheel Empire is, I remember loving Rod Strickland as a kid. didn't follow the league that much to know what his stature in the league was. I assume a six-man-of-the-year type guy had to have been a big deal back when Stars didn't switch teams as much. I guess it's not really a question, but yeah, just kind of adding to that same perspective. Uh, Yeah, what do you think of Strickland?
1: Yeah, no. I mean, that's that's definitely related to the previous question. He was, uh, yeah. I mean, he was a he was a better player than Kenny Anderson for sure. Um, he had oh, yeah. some crazy, crazy finishes around the rim. Was able to contort himself and really get in there for less for a smaller guard. Yeah, he was interesting and wasn't with the Blazers for too long. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's. I, I, I think the the thrust of these two questions it's that well do we forget that the Blazers actually have had some free agent signings. But remember, those those two signings are like 20 years ago now. So, I mean, I don't know how (laughs) how much you can put into that. Um, I mean, there are other teams have trouble attracting free agents, too. We've talked about this on previous shows. But, uh, yeah, I think that those are both fair points, though. If you're going to look at the entire body of evidence and draw a conclusion, you have to add in all that evidence. And so Kenny Anderson and Rod Strickland definitely have to be in those conversations.
0: Definitely. Third question, taking a little bit of a different angle here. Uh, Pinwheel Empire asking us to talk about the most negative personal fan experiences we've had at a game. He says that uh, he or she says they got bullied recently following a 50-year-old man and his son and got in a physical and verbal altercation. That's that's not a good sign. You definitely want to avoid physical altercations, especially when you're at games. We, we try to keep this as peaceful and friendly as possible with uh, Portland fans and opposing fans. But, yeah, Brandon, have you had any uh, pretty negative experiences at the, at the road?
1: Rose not at the Rose Garden but I will say my most negative experience as a fan I've talked about this before was watching game seven of the 2000 Western Conference finals where the Blazers blew that yeah. <laughs> 15 point lead to the Lakers that sucked so bad because it was pretty obvious that whoever won that game was going to win the title because the Pacers were just not up to the level of the Blazers or the Lakers so that really sucked um I don't really have like an in-person negative experience. I will say this. I was at Rip City Clothing Company at the Rose Quarter a couple days ago because I bought a nice. jersey. I bought that red yeah, Staten Miller yeah. jersey I'm super stoked about. And this couple wandered in with their Warriors gear because they're there for the Warriors game. And they wander (laughs) in and they're like, hey, why aren't the restaurants in the arena open yet? And it's like, really, stupid? It's not going to be open for a few more hours because it was like 2.30 in the afternoon. What are you thinking idiots so that was a very negative experience but that was the warriors fans and i'm kind of kidding they were very <laughs> nice they were just trying to look for somewhere to eat but i was just like you're really gonna wander into this store wearing that stuff i don't know anyway right. how dare you hey,
0: if, if they've got to know where they're at you can't wander around wearing that and not expect some sort of ridicule uh i'm with you though i i haven't had Too much negative experience there. I will say actually kind of connected to your story. uh, I believe one of the games in a previous season when warriors kind of gave us a bad beating here in the Rose garden, leaving the stadium there were as always, there's a lot of warriors fans that come to the games up here. We're kind of fairly close. And I think there's a lot of kind of crossover between people that have been from one area and moved up here Uh, on the way out after the warriors had won, there were fans like pushing people just being really ridiculous, like beyond uh, a little reckless in the hallways, but being dicks about it, like knocking into people, pushing things around like carts and everything in the hallways, yelling obscenities and like that were well beyond just kind of like friendly uh, sports taunts and all this. So I don't know. I, I would say as far as negative uh, experiences in here, it's 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 mostly about opposing fan bases as well. We want to keep uh Rip City fans known as as friendly and uh, good sports about it.
1: Yeah, I think that's totally fair. And by the way, if you're a Warriors fan and you're making a big deal about beating the Blazers, then you have to find something else to do with your life. <laughs> enjoy enjoy your multiple NBA titles, Warriors fans. Next question from friend of the show, Brian Freeman, at Brian Freeman uh, What is the Blazers record right now If Damian Lillard had missed the whole season, and then he also adds in, (laughs) while you think about your response to that, he also adds in that he has one basketball card to his name, and it's from us, Wes Matthews. (laughs) Uh, Maybe if you win, again, you'll have three more today, Brian. But yeah, his question, what if the Blazers didn't have Damian Lillard, but the rest of the team was the same? What do you think their record is right now?
0: Boy, uh, I mean, like, yeah, if he had just, like, at the very beginning of the season, some sort of freak injury... Uh, we're not able to get rid of him, I guess is the talk. Like, so it's not like we're bringing in some other player to take his place. So now you're relying on Shabazz probably as your primary CJ and Shabazz. Honestly, I I'm, I'm not going to go total doom and gloom on this. We are very much reliant on, on Dame to carry us to where we're trying to get to in the playoffs right now. He is responsible. He's a large, the largest part of why we are in the third seed and looking so good. Uh, I don't think, though, that we're going to like lose every game if we don't have him. I think Shabazz has shown that he is kind of a bit of a, a lighter version, like a Dame light a little bit. He can do a lot of similar things. He's very aggressive uh, with his outside shot, and he's very aggressive on defense for a small guard. So I don't know. Let's say right now we're at, what, 40 and 26 is what I said. So at this point in the season, if Dame hadn't been playing at all, I'm going to go. I'm going to say that we uh, instead of 40 wins, we're sitting at like 28.
1: That's about where I went with it, too, I thought. 15 games uh, when the season's not over, 15 games is a lot, but I think that's how much value yeah. Dame adds because you're talking about Shabazz Napier. Well, if you don't have Dame and Shabazz is playing the starting minutes, then who's backing him up? So right, those right. are the kinds of questions you start asking. It's not just the loss of the player. It's the, the messing with the rotation, taking away the space. We've seen Damian Lillard has won, ga- won games single-handedly by himself. So yeah, I think the Blazers would be like 25 and, and 41, something like that if they didn't have Lillard, and that would put them around where you see like the Kings and the Mavericks and some of those kind of bottom feeders in the East too, like the Knicks, the Bulls, and the Nets. I think that's just about how good they'd be if they didn't have Dame, because Dame is really does probably more than the box score indicates. Our last question here from Steve D at Steve D Hoops asks, do you think it's important to stay grounded when the Blazers are rolling? Or is it time to throw caution into the wind? I have a tough time letting loose (laughs) given some of the unfortunate basketball history in Portland. Is it time to turn over a new leaf in 2018? Keith, what do you say to that? I
0: love this. You know where I stand. You know that I am the conductor on the optimism train as often as possible. Uh, Throwing caution in the wind, man. Uh, let's let's do this. Like stay with the Blazers. They are red hot and rolling. Uh, no need to stay grounded. Just board the train. Let's do this. Let's ride it all the way as far as we can take it. Look, if we don't get to the championship, if it doesn't, if this doesn't reach the ceiling, then fine. We've got more to look forward to next year. I, I'm feeling good about it. The Blazers are running smooth uh, and and shooting well. It's it's all looking good to me. I say I say roll with it.
1: I'm with you. You may as well. Look, basketball is a game of runs, and a basketball season is itself a season of runs, too. If they're playing well, roll with it. I think that the, the, the thing, and this, this applies to life, too, you got to enjoy when things are going good, and you just try to stay even when things aren't going as well. It doesn't mean to go out of control and be like, the Blazers are going to win the title or anything like that. Right, right. But I think it does mean, look, you can say the Blazers could play with anybody. They've beaten the Warriors twice, once at full strength, during this winning streak. They beat the Jazz, snapped their 11-game winning streak. They beat the Thunder. So I think that you can say the Blazers are good and they're playing really well right now. There's nothing wrong with that. So yeah, I'm with you, Keith. We may as well just roll with it. If you're not going to have fun, then what are we doing here anyway? But... Also fun is you winning my basketball cards, and we're going to go to random.org right now (laughs) to see who will be our winner, A true random number generator, so we are not playing favorites or anything like that. Minimum one, maximum seven. For the seven questions that we got, I'm going to hit that generate button, and the result is the number three. Number three is Daniel Joseph Graves. at in Kelso. Congratulations, sir! No, 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 no. We banned him for life because he said that Damian Lillard not him. <laughs> no, just kidding. Congratulations right. to Dan, who's been a a longtime Blazers fan uh, since when Mo Lucas was playing. So I'm actually, honestly, I'm happy nice, that he won nice. this card uh, more than anyone else. No, but I am happy that he won the card. Um, congratulations to Dan.
0: Alright, well thank you for all of your questions and remember you can write us at any time during the week about anything,
1: preferably Blazers but we will take all of those questions for you Brandon, where can they write us at? They can write us at a number of different places because I'm here in Odar coming in so you know we're going to give these closing oh, credits yeah. at Trailcasters on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook You can also send us emails trailcasters at gmail.com Also, just trailcasters.com if you want to go to our website And as always, .com. the most important thing Five star reviews on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, the podcast app—doesn't matter how you're doing it. Give us the five star reviews. We love to hear from you, and I love to hear from you, Keith, for these outros. So get us all the, all the, all the, all the way out of. I don't know what that was, <laughs> but get us out of here, please. <laughs> I've had closing, too much coffee. Too much listeners. coffee.
0: That's it, that's our show. Thank you, Brandon, as always. Thank you, Odar, for the fat beats. Thank you, Envy Adventures, and clearly speaking, and thank you, Michael Weisenberg, for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your rips. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters.